Good morning. morning. I want to greet you in Jesus' name. It's good to be here with you this morning. I want to say, whoever is responsible for the flowers, they're very pretty, and I like them. So whoever does that, thank you. I think it adds... um, a lot to our little service here this morning. I invite you to turn to the Gospel of John. John chapter 16. This morning, I would like to help us think about or have us think about another area or another uh, part of the Christian life that is essential. This thing that we'll be talking about this morning is a necessary part of the Christian life. It's also something that we sometimes probably more times than not, sort of take for granted and don't think about it a lot. It's an obscure thing in the life of the Christian. Several years ago, when we went on our family trip out west, and I can't recall which state we were in, but I do recall that... um, I can picture the area that we were in, and we were in a, a desert or a very remote sort of stretch of the highway. And I recall, um, as we were going down the highway, we, we sort of came around a, a curve, and, and up ahead I saw a, a small travel trailer parked beside the road, or it was on the shoulder of the road. It wasn't a big one, uh, one of the smaller ones that you see sometimes. And, you know, it's not that unusual to see an RV or a vehicle or something parked beside the road, obviously having some issues. And as we came, approached it, and we went past it, I looked, and on the front end of that thing, or what the vehicle that was towing that small RV travel trailer was a Tesla. Now, For those of you that don't know what a Tesla is, a Tesla is an electric vehicle, an electric car. And they were not designed to pull travel trailers, okay? Much less pulling a travel trailer in the middle of the desert. And I remember going past, and I think I said something, you've got to be kidding me. Like, who in his right mind hooks a Tesla up to a small travel trailer and decides to go across this desert thinking that they're actually going to make it. The Tesla was designed for more local driving. You can go certain distances uh, fairly easily, but you have to have charging stations readily available. And there was no charging station anywhere close. You know, when you run out of gas in a normal vehicle, 
you simply try to find a way to the next gas station, buy five gallons of gas and bring it back and put it in your car or vehicle, and you can probably make it to the next gas station. Well, this Tesla was not going to get charged. It ran out of power. It could not go. And I've thought about that frequently since then. And the reality is that what the source, the power, the source of power that was in that Tesla was still in there. That Tesla has a really big battery in it. And it was still in there. But it had lost its power. It couldn't go anymore. And it couldn't go until it got charged again. This morning, I'd like for us to think about another source of power. And it's in a spiritual sense. And that source of power is the Holy Spirit in the life of the Christian. Each one of us this morning that are born again, that, is, that have, have, have been redeemed in Christ, has the Holy Spirit in them. It's like our battery pack, our spiritual battery pack. And sometimes we're just like that Tesla, or the guy driving the Tesla. We think we can sort of make it without making certain that we can make it. And sometimes we just go through life without recharging our battery pack or enabling the power that is within us to keep us on the right track, the Holy Spirit. And so I want you to just think about that this morning as we talk about the Holy Spirit and I'd like to read our passage. This is a sort of a foundational passage. We will take some points out of this, but there's other scriptures too that I want to look at and um, throughout the message. So my goal this morning is to, to just sort of do a simple overview of the Holy Spirit. How many of you think a lot or often about the Holy Spirit? Sometimes. Is it true that often we go through our day and don't really catch on that the Holy Spirit is actually working in us? Now, I'm not saying that's bad, necessarily. I think what I'm asking us to consider is how, how often do we consider our day's activity being guided by the power source inside? Is it sort of just, we just sort of do our thing and expect the Holy Spirit to do his thing in our lives? I find myself sort of that way sometimes. Like, I know he's there, but I'm not really paying attention that, mu that much to him. And so maybe after today, we can be encouraged to be more in tune with the Holy Spirit. I'd like to read the passage, and then we'll pray after I'm done reading John chapter 16, and I'm going to begin at verse 5. And um, I'll read down to verse 16. Verse 5 to verse 16 in John, the Gospel of John chapter 16. And this is Jesus talking to his disciples. And they're having a conversation. 
And this is what he says, but now I go my way to him that sent me. And none of you asketh me, whither goest thou? But because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. And just maybe some, some background here. Jesus had been talking to them about how the world is going to hate them. Once, once he leaves and, and they're on their own, the world is going to turn against them. Even the religious people, even more so than the world, the, the religious people are going to turn against them. They're going to be persecuted. They're going to be killed. And so now he's saying in verse 5 that he's going to go to his father. And they were so sorrowful about what they just heard. Like, hey, we're going to face some serious, serious times in our life. That they didn't even have, they didn't even think about asking, well, Jesus, where are you going? Verse 6, but because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. Verse 7, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient, and that word expedient simply means it's better, or it's to your advantage. It is expedient for you that I go away, for if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you, but if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness, and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father, and you see me no more. And of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. Those are some difficult verses, sort of, to understand. What is Jesus saying there? Maybe we'll touch on those later. In verse 12, I have many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. And I want you to zero in on verse 13 here. How be it when he, the spirit of truth is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I, that he shall take of mine, and shall show it unto you. A little while, and ye shall not see me. And again, a little while, and ye shall see me, because I go to my Father. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we come to you in the name of Jesus, your Son. And as we think about the Holy Spirit in our lives today, as we look at passages in your word that help us understand the importance of the Holy Spirit in our lives, would you, by that same Spirit, convey truth to us? Would you help us to understand and to embrace again this person of the Trinity that is so vital to us and help us to walk in the spirit and not unto the flesh. And we'll give you honor and glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So as we think about the Holy Spirit, and this morning, it's going to be sort of a simple 
simple message, just some things that I'd like for us to think about as we think about the person of the Holy Spirit. And as I was, as I was studying, I, I, you know, we, we all sort of know about the Holy Spirit. Um, most of us have, have been raised in, in Christian families and we've come to church, we've, we, heard, we've, we hear about the Holy Spirit, there's things that we understand about the Holy Spirit. And like I said earlier, but sometimes he's just sort of obscure in our life. We're not really aware of how much he's actually part of us. And I wonder sometimes if it grieves him that we're so unaware of how much he's part of us. And when I think about that, and I think about our, my daily life, my daily routine, and how little I actually consider him, I wonder if he's grieved with me a lot. So something to think about. And I don't know what you think about when you think about the Holy Spirit. There's so many things. It's broad. Like we, you, you could actually go a number of Sundays talking about the Holy Spirit, preaching on different aspects of the Holy Spirit. But what I'd like to do here in the beginning is just talk a little bit about who the Holy Spirit is. Who is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? The first thing that I'd like for us to understand about the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit is God. Okay? The Holy Spirit is not a separate thing from God. He is an actual part of the Godhead, what we call the Trinity. Now, the word Trinity is not found in Scripture. You won't find that term in Scripture. But the principle and the doctrine of Trinity is in Scripture, okay? We just, we just read it in our passage that we just read. When Jesus said, look, all things come from my Father, and whatsoever things come to me, I'm not quoting it verbatim, those things are what the, the Holy Spirit's going to tell you. So you have the three parts here. You have God the Father, you have Jesus the Son, and you have the Holy Spirit moving. And we go back into the other Gospels at the time of Jesus' baptism. We had the Father speaking audibly, saying, this is my beloved Son. This is the Son, Jesus, the Son, part of the Trinity. And then as he came up out of the water, it says the dove, the Spirit descended like a dove. So we have the three parts of the Godhead there. You have multiple things like that throughout, uh, especially the New Testament, that give us the doctrine of the Trinity. There is a triune God. There is one God, three in one. It's a mystery. I don't pretend to understand how to explain all of this. And I'm loathed almost to try. And I get a little frustrated when people try to explain this because it doesn't really, it's hard. Like we don't know. We sort of get pictures of it. I would just encourage us to, to, to accept the fact that there is one God and there are three parts to this God, but they're not separate. They're the same God. They're three in one. Each one has their, their responsibilities, if you want to call that, that they do. But they are the same God. So the Holy Spirit is God. Let's never, let's never separate him away 
from the fact that he is God. In John chapter 15, and by the way, if you want to have a couple more passages about this, you go into John chapter 14 and chapter 15, prior to the one uh, that we uh, just read, and you'll find more things that Jesus says about the Holy Spirit. Um, John chapter 15, verse 26, it says this, but when the comforter, he calls him a comforter here, is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth. That, that verse is so loaded. You just read what it says there. Listen to what it says. And then it says, this Spirit of truth which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. And that word proceedeth in the original Greek simply means that he comes forth from the Father. He comes out of God to us here. You and me. If we are born again, the Holy Spirit is God. He comes from God to us. He enters into our hearts when we're born again. And he is the source of our power to live in Christ day to day. The second thing I'd like for us to consider about the Holy Spirit when we're answering the question, who is the Holy Spirit, is this. The Holy Spirit is a real being. Some people would say that he is a person. Scripture does indicate that. And I'm fine with calling him a person, albeit we don't see him. But he, he is a real being. He's not just some intuition that you have. It's, sometimes we have these feelings, sort of, and and notions and intuitions, that's not necessarily the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit does speak to our conscience, and we have these, these sort of wonderings, like is, that, is the Holy Spirit speaking? I'll tell you one way that you can know for certain if it's the Holy Spirit. If that thing continues to be brought to your attention, if there's something that you need to take care of, there's a sin, there's something that you did, there's an attitude, or there's some, and the Holy Spirit just kind of nudges you and you just sort of put it away. And sure enough, the next day he's there again. It just sort of nudges you there and reminds you. You can almost be certain that that's the Holy Spirit talking to you. He's very patient, but he does do that. He is real. He's not just some vague uh, force out there. And he's not just your intuitions. Like you just sort of um, have an intuitive sense there. That's not who he is. He has aspects of a person. There are characteristics of the Holy Spirit that would give him the, give us the reason to say he is a person. The first thing that he is as, as a, a real being is he is in, intellectual. He has intellect. He thinks. Okay? In 1 Corinthians 2.10, uh, yeah, 1 Corinthians 2, verses 10 and 11 says this, But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. So, so understand what's being said here. Paul is saying the Holy Spirit understands our spirit, and he also seeks to understand and pursue the deep things of God. Why would that be? Why would that be? He is God. 
I think the simple answer is so that he can convey to us what we need to know in our spirit. The Holy Spirit processes and he seeks the deep things of God for our good and our benefit. Verse 11, for what man knoweth the things of man, save the spirit of man. So he's saying, look, we know, we understand from a practical standpoint, we understand in, an, in, a, in a human sense how we operate sort of. Like we, my spirit sort of connects with your spirit to certain dimensions. We sort of understand how that works. That's the same way that the spirit of God works with God in us, to us. He has intellect. He can be intelligent. He thinks things and he moves on our behalf. The second way that he, we can see that he's a real being or a person is that he has emotions. He feels things. Okay? We all know this. This, this verse is very familiar to us. It says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. In other words, the Holy Spirit feels deeply about sin. He understands what that feels like. And he's grieved when he sees God's children sinning or acting in a way that is not in accordance with who they are. He feels that. He's grieved. He grieves for us. He doesn't like us to be there. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. This is another emotional or a feeling um, or way that the Holy Spirit feels and, and, and relates to us. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. Sorry, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And I would guess this morning that there are a number of us here this morning that have experienced that. You were burdened, or there, life has been difficult, and you come to the place, you come to the throne in prayer, and it's just hard to pray. Just don't know how to pray. Did you know the Holy Spirit knows that? He cares deeply about that anguish, that, that weight. And you know what he does? He says, it's okay. I'll pray. I will pray. I hear you. Let me pray to the Father. I can, I can say what, what your heart's not able to say. He is real. This, the third thing that we can see is that he has a will. The Holy Spirit has a will. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and you could read in there about how the, the gifts are applied to us. But in verse 11 it says, But all these worketh that one and the selfsame Spirit, 
dividing to every man severally as he will. Now, the, the point I'm making here is that the Holy Spirit, this is one, one passage that we can say, okay, the, he has the ability to, to choose. And he, he looks at you and he says, I have given you gifts, and I want you to use this gift in the church to bless my people. But he picks and chooses. He says, Christy has this gift. I have chosen that for him. And he goes over here and says, Ira has this gift. He has a will. He understands because he's God. He understands how we should function, how best we can function in the body. He picks and chooses who to give which gift. He has a will. He has choice. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. It's a positive thing. So he has those tendencies. So he is real. He is a person. We could say he has the characteristics of a person. Same as our Heavenly Father has characteristics of a person. And yet he is a spirit. We don't see him. The third thing that we want to look at that helps us answer the question, who is the Holy Spirit? Is that the Holy Spirit is the creator. Did you know that? The Holy Spirit is the creator. Now you have to understand, I think you understand what I'm saying here. Because he is God, he is part of the triune God, he is it, that makes him the creator. The second verse of Genesis chapter 1. Yeah, Genesis chapter 1 and then verse 1 and then verse 2. It says that the Spirit of God moved across the waters. He is a creator. The Holy Spirit is a creator. Now I want you to think about something more. If the Holy Spirit is a creator in that sense, he was part of that creation process. What about the creation, the new creation in our lives when we are recreated in the image of Christ? What about that? Christ or the Holy Spirit is a creator. He is the instigator of new things, of new birth. Okay? And we could go, that's a whole other subject. We could go, he is the instigator of our new birth. He creates new things. The last thing that we want to look at that answers the question, who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is an author. He's a writer. Scripture says that he breathed the words to, to men of old who wrote the Scriptures. Okay? Did you know that the Word of God, which is the truth, and the Spirit of God, which is truth, which leads us into truth. He wrote the truth. Did you think about that? The Holy Spirit is the author of Scripture. He writes, he wrote the book. Not technically men wrote the book, but he breathed into them. He helped them understand what God wanted written in the Bible. He's an author. 
And we come to the end of this, and you could, there's more that you could put in there. And, and when I came down sort of through my list, I thought, okay, Lyle, what do you want to say here? Here's what I want us to catch. We can sort of say, yeah, well, that sounds all great. But how does that apply to me? Here's what it, how it applies. This is the connection. All of what he is is inside you. All of what he is is inside you. He's God. He's a real thing, a real being. It's not some apparition or force or intuition. He's real. He's the creator and he's the author of scripture. That dwells inside of us. And I don't know what that does for you. And I don't think, I think we need to be careful that we don't take that too too far. But in humility, we say, wow, God in us. For what purpose and for what reason does God send his helper to us? In John 14, 16, and I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter, comforter that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth in you and shall be in you. 1 Corinthians six nineteen. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? which is in you, which ye have of God, and you are not your own. Do you see that? He lives in us, comes from God to us as our helper, our comforter. The second thing we want to look at here is the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. How does the Holy Spirit work in our lives? To what, why, why do we need the Holy Spirit? I've wondered already what it would be like as a Christian if that would be possible. You can't be a Christian outside of the Holy Spirit, by the way. You, you can't. Scripture says that. You cannot be a Christian outside of having the Holy Spirit. But I've wondered sometimes what it would look like if the Holy Spirit wouldn't be available to us. You can go down the list. We would be trying to do everything on our own. How many of us try to do that, even when we have the Holy Spirit? You just go down through the list. It's a long list of things that you would, if you take the time to study through it, that we would be missing and life would be miserable And life is miserable without the Holy Spirit. Life is miserable without the Holy Spirit. If you're not born again this morning, you know what I'm talking about. I remember what it was like. And many of you do too. Life without the Holy Spirit is miserable. How does the Holy Spirit, or what is his purpose in my life and your life? Purpose number one is to sanctify us. Purpose number one is to sanctify us. 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 13. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. 
the first thing that, the first purpose that the Spirit has in our life is sanctification. Sanctification simply means separating us from sin. Separating us from sin. That's his first and foremost purpose. Now we can do this, we can look at, we need to look at this in two ways. So initially, he brings us to repentance at our conversion. When, when, we, when we know that we are sinners, when we understand that we are sinners, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. He brings conviction of sin in our life, and then he, uh, he enables us to repent. Like, there is that process. When that all happens, and we turn from sin, that is a separation from that sin. But then he enters in. Like, he takes, he takes up residence in my heart, in my spiritual heart, and now he is in the process of continually sanctifying me. So it's, 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 it's a one-time here and a continual here. Do you understand what I'm saying? Sanctification. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is sanctification in our life. The Spirit of God actively works to bring us to be more and more like Christ. He helps us to see areas of sin in our life. He helps us to see spiritual laziness in our life. He helps us to see how we need to be less and less attached to this world. It's all the sanctifying process. The second thing that the Holy, or the second purpose that the Holy Spirit has is that he is here to lead us into truth. He leads us into all truth, John says. Chapter 16, it says this, this is our passage. How be it when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. And he shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine, therefore said I, that he shall take of mine and shall show it unto you. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is the Spirit of truth, and he will guide us into truth. There are a lot of truths, brothers and sisters, being proclaimed today. There are a lot of truths being proclaimed today. And when I do this, I'm doing that in quotation marks. There are a lot of people, there are a lot of groups and movements who are proclaiming truth. How do you know what is true? How do we know what is true? He says, the spirit of truth will lead you into all truth. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, it says, but there were false prophets also among the people. And I want you to catch this. There was false prophets also among the people. He wasn't saying there was false prophets out there. He was saying there's false prophets within Christianity. There can be false prophets in our church, false teachers. Among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privately shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, 
and bring upon themselves swift destruction. Verse 2, and many shall follow their pernicious ways or their destructive ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. How do you know? How do you know? The Holy Spirit will never, ever deny Jesus. The Holy Spirit will never deny Jesus. The Holy Spirit will always exalt Jesus. Brother Rick Rhodes has an excellent series called Trying the Spirits. And I would encourage you to listen to it, to to read it. He does an excellent job in explaining how how, how we try the spirits. The Holy Spirit will never deny the deity of Christ. It will never talk against Christ. It will always exalt and point towards Christ. The second thing is the Holy Spirit never exalts himself. There are people and there are movements today who are all about the power of the Holy Spirit. And in fact, I was uh, last week as I was studying, I came across a message a very popular preacher. And, and he was proclaiming how he is on fire of the Holy Spirit. And I can't do what he did because I'm not that good of an actor. But when I watched that, I thought, that's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does not proclaim himself as this. The Holy Spirit always points towards Christ. He always supports pointing to the Savior. He never exalts himself. He is the Spirit of truth. And he will lead you into truth. We must be careful. 1 John chapter 4 1 John chapter 4. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God. Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know we the spirit, hereby know ye the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. The Mormons and some of those religions do not believe that Jesus is the Son of God. That's a false, false religion. And we can pick those out, but there's more subtle ones that are coming in. The charismatic movements and those kind of things are also false. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is in the world. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. They are of the world Therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God, and he that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. 
Do you know Christ? And in your life, are you continually being pointed towards him? The third thing, third purpose of the Holy, Holy Spirit is that he affirms us as God's children. Romans 8, 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, or Daddy, or Papa. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit, that we are the children of God. When was the last time you just knew? Now, we know it here. But when was the last time you just, it pounded in your heart that you are a child of, of God? The Spirit in us affirms that. Sometimes in the dark times, in the really, really hard times, we need to just say, God, am I yours? Do it sometime. Am I yours? And that little small voice will be faithful saying, yeah, you're mine. You're mine. The Spirit affirms that you are His. Fourth, purpose is to comfort us in our troubles. He prays on our behalf. I talked about that earlier. The Spirit also helpeth our infirmities because we don't know how we should pray in our infirmities. He makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. The fifth one, real quick here, is He gives us our spiritual gifts. The Holy Spirit, one of the purposes of the Holy Spirit is to give us our spiritual gifts. Brothers and sisters, the question I have for us this morning, what are you doing with the gift that God, that the Holy Spirit has, has given to you? I mentioned it in the, in the opening about how we can grieve the Holy Spirit. Are you grieving the Holy Spirit by not using the gift that he gave to you? And you say, well, I don't know what my gift is. Do you think the Holy Spirit would like for you to ask him what it is? Maybe if we would have enough courage to say, could I know what that is? Because I would like to bless my brothers and sisters. We tend to be pretty polite as Mennonites. We're not going to put ourselves out there. I think there's room for propriety and humility Let's not be false in our humility. If God has given you gifts, the body needs those gifts. Let's not grieve the Holy Spirit by holding back the gifts that he's given to us. Let's use them for his honor and his glory. Finally, and in closing here, just real quick here, I have a few things. How do I know if I'm walking in the Spirit? How do I know if there's evidence of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. We looked at defining the Holy Spirit. We looked at His purposes in our life. But how do I know? How can I tell? 
if the Holy Spirit is active in my life? Several things here, real quick. The first thing is, and they're all questions, and I want you to think about these. Are you living in daily repentance and submission to His leading? Are you living in daily repentance from sin, from your attitudes, and are you allowing His, Him to lead you? How many of us on a daily basis repent now in our prayer time in our private prayer time that should be a regular thing it should be one of the first things that we do is we come to the to the throne of God and say I am a sinner and I know there's areas in my life would you show me and then as he shows we repent and then there's worship there's praise, there's adoration. Are you repenting daily from areas that the Holy Spirit is pointing out in your life? Are you following him in those directives? Jesus says, <clears throat> without me, ye can do nothing. And if we don't repent, the Holy Spirit is quenched. Galatians 5.16, this I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. The next thing is, is your truth discernment becoming sharper and sharper? Now, that's a clumsy way of saying, are you growing in your understanding of truth, spiritual truth? Do you like and do you love and do you enjoy the Word of God? Are you in the Word, the truth? And as such, is the truth in a spiritual sense, becoming sharper and sharper in your mind and in your heart? Can you discern when there is untruth, when there's false doctrine? Are you able to discern that? You won't unless you're in the Word regularly. Now, there is a movement, brothers and sisters, I have to say this because I'm concerned about it. There is this thought out there that says, well, why do we need to be in the Word of God? That just feels like another check box on the list of things that I need to do. And God understands. Like, He doesn't really necessarily expect me to be in His Word. Like, that shouldn't be one of my spiritual duties to do. That feels too burdensome. It's too much like doing rather than being. Brothers and sisters, that's false. That's false. That's not true. Now, we can fall into that ditch. We will not understand truth, and we will not understand falseness, falsehoods, or false doctrine unless we are in the truth. And to just be partially and sporadically in the truth does not give us clear understanding of truth. That's how we grow. That's how we know who God is. That's how we know who we are. That's how we know how we should live, how, how this is supposed to be. I'm concerned about that notion out there. The Word of God for the Christian is essential. It's the truth. And the spirit of truth will guide you into all truth 
Remember, he wrote the truth. The next thing is, are you, are you becoming more and more like Christ? Is his character developing in you at a deeper and deeper level? And we can simply go to Galatians and look at the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, all of those things. Are those things becoming more and more who you are? Is the Holy Spirit active in your life? Are you using the gifts that he has given to you to build the body? And there are probably many more things that we could say. But if you're not using the gifts, if you're not growing more and more like Christ, if truth isn't becoming more and more precious to you and, and, and clearer to you, if there's not a daily repentance and turning and allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us, then we probably should question ourselves. Is the Holy Spirit active and is there evidence in my life things to think about i came across this and i'll 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 read this in closing god has called us to a supernatural life of daily dependence on his holy spirit ask yourself if the holy spirit pulled out of your life for one week would you miss him or would life go on pretty much as usual. If the Holy Spirit pulled out of your life for one week, would you miss him? Or would life go on as usual? It's a sobering question. It's a sobering question. Remember, the Holy Spirit is here for our good, for the well-being of the body, for the glory of God and Christ. Let's pray. Father, your, your Holy Spirit is, um, is so much part of us, and yet we often forget that he is part of us. And there are, there are certainly ways, Father, that we, we, are, we are becoming more and more like you, and it just becomes naturally who we are. We're, we're so grateful for that. But Father, help us to not lose sight or, or, or lose the importance and the understanding of the power and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Help us not to quench him in any way. And if there are ways that we're quenching him, Father, would you be faithful in pointing those out? And then would you give us the grace to work through those things, to be honest about those things? Father, I pray a blessing on all these people. And I believe the Holy Spirit is in their hearts and is leading them. And I pray that he would be faithful this coming week in ways that that we may not even expect that are unusual because the Holy Spirit does work that way. But that it would affirm in our hearts this coming week that we do have the Holy Spirit. Father, bless each one. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.